0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Hello. Thank you for
2: calling. Thank for listening.
1: Thank you for being here. This is Cinema Files. This is our second show and our first real official show. I'm joined here by our co-host, Charles Carpenter. Hi, Charles. How are you doing?
2: I am great, Steve. Thank you so much. I just want to take a moment to thank you for convincing me that I might actually be able to know what I'm doing out here. So, (laughs) we'll see how it goes, but thank you so much. (laughs)
1: Well, if anybody can articulate themselves, it's you. You know, Charles, before we get started, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about your background here. You know, as far as I know, and we've known each other for a very long time, you've been acting for – Many many years. In, when I first met you, you were in you were in commercials. And uh, when I went to Hawaii, there was four commercials in a row. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't get rid of you. It was incredible. Um, <laughs> that's
2: that's, what, that's, what, that's the what, problem. What, my wife yeah. seems to have you can't get rid of me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good problem, right?
2: Exactly. Uh, well, so, yeah, what, you what, know,
0: what,
2: I what? I started acting. Oh gosh, about twenty one. Years ago, I think I started acting just after they discovered fire, and uh, it's it's been a wonderful a wonderful career. Um, commercials have been absolutely amazing. Now, fortunately, the door has opened to a lot of theatrical forays, and it's it's just a wonderful experience to be able to create and embody another character. And in that regard, awesome. I'm we're right. Be to... well,
1: we're going to be able to talk to you more about this later on today. I... Uh, I really love having you on the show, and if I have anybody as a co-host, it would be uh, Charles Carpenter, so thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, today, we're, we're joined by a special guest, Shane Graham. Uh, Shane Graham is, is going to be known very soon for being in the movie Boyhood, playing Stanley, um, but he's been doing films for a very long oh. time, Rodriguez being in uh, Shark Boy. And, uh, what was the name of the movie, Charles? Now that I have it in front of my oh. face, which is awesome.
2: <laughs> Shark Boy and you know Lava why I asked
1: because which... Charles, Charles has children, and he's actually seen the movie. So whenever I say the movie, it makes it sound like oh, you don't have children, and you saw that movie.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. But it is his spike kids. <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, uh, trust me, I've seen that movie many, many times. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up just for the benefit of my children. Shark Boy and Lava
0: Girl.
1: <laughs> Shark Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I'm, I'm ashamed to say I've, I've never seen it before. But Boyhood was something that captured my imagination greatly. It was, this, this film was filmed throughout 12 years. It was a 12-year project. It was originally called the Untitled 12-Year Project, which is, which is pretty awesome, uh, directed by the legendary Richard Linklater, who directed Days and Confused, as well as other films. It's one of the greatest films. And Quentin Tarantino made a comment about uh, Days and Confused, as well. It's one of his favorite background movies. So we're very... Oh. Very, very glad and proud to have um, Shane Graham on the show today. Uh, Before we get started with the show, we'd like to get started with a couple of uh, small and incidental little opinions, and today our conversation is going to be about um, The Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Uh, Charles, have you seen The Edge of Tomorrow? You have children, so I'm, I'm expecting the answer to be no.
2: Uh, and that expectation is absolutely correct. I have not seen that movie unless there is some sort of animated creature with a fuzzy face on it. Uh, oh, right. I probably have not seen it. Really. It goes so,
1: fantastic. So. Go, ahead. Go ahead, Charles.
2: Yeah, no, no. So tell me, uh, tell me what your take was. It because when when we have date nights, when there is grown up night available, I want to get. The scoop on what movies we can, uh, we can whisk ourselves away
1: to. Well, boys and girls, if you want a date night movie, uh, The Edge of Tomorrow is a really great date night movie. Now, it's based on the manga, All You Need Is Kill. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't direct, it's not a direct influence or a direct take on, on the graphic novels or the manga because the manga isn't finished yet. So it's very much like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World where they finished the movie before of course, Edgar Wright has the ability to re-edit the film of Scott Pilgrim at the end when, when the books were finished. Sure. sure. But uh, The Edge of Tomorrow is a fantastic film. Very much Groundhog's Day, but more of an aggressive, warlike like Groundhog's Day. Um, a lot of the same points, a lot of the same point moments, love, love, loss. I'm not going to give you any spoilers at all because I, I really do want you to go see this film. But it's great for the girls because the girls get to see strong women fighting in a war. It's great for the guys because you see Tom Cruise die about a thousand times on film. It's, <laughs> which is quite which is quite unusual because if you watch any Tom Cruise film, he does not die. He doesn't as it die. it turns
2: out, he always, as he, he always lives at the end of his movies. It's that's a very strange. He
1: does. He does. He's like the Tea Party. They always survive for some reason. It just it, it boggles the <laughs> mind. You know, but so they always whoops, I just back. I just said. That. <laughs> so you know, he
2: dies. You raised an interesting point because the point you made about strong women, I think that when you have a, a piece of cinema where the women are in the forefront and their characters are strong and fully realized, that is something that really captivates the audience. And I'm sorry to say, that isn't always the case.
1: No. And that was my major problem with X-Men, first, X-Men uh, Days of Future Past, was that mm-hmm. I, I'm getting, uh, that movie was excellent, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting it. The females in the film were weak. I mean, there's a lot of female characters in the X-Men world. I mean, this, this has been going on for a very long time. And that film was very female-weak. Even Spider-Man, uh, made Spider-Man 2, uh, even though Gwen Stacy was kind of a, almost a puppet and, and, uh, and was manipulated throughout the entire film, and certain things didn't make sense. At the very least, she was a strong character. X-Men Days of Future Past, the only time people really get cruelly hurt they're women. And the first time, it's, it's uh, Kitty Pryde, where she gets bladed by Wolverine, and the last time is Mystique, where she gets shot by Magneto. It's, it's intense. And, and I find it kind of asinine, some of the logic of that film as well. But anyways, back to Edge of Tomorrow. So really, really great. It starts off really fast. It, in the middle, it, it does slow down a tad bit. What I've heard about the film is that at the end, people are not satisfied with the closing. Uh, I was very satisfied with the closing. Now, it just depends on what perspective you take on the film. Uh, if, you, if you want things to be American, everybody wins, uh, you might be a tad bit disappointed, even though it does go in the American direction. If you want the European version that everybody dies and, and nothing gets resolved, then go watch 12 Monkeys. Okay? Because <laughs> <laughs> that was 12 Monkeys. And I, and I adore that film as well. But still, sure. it, it was kind of a ridiculous ending for an unresolved situation based on quantum physics. Right, right. But, uh, so you if you've not seen... Still, it at, Go
0: ahead.
2: It's still it's still something that stands the test of time, and you can go back and see it. I think that uh, I think that it's it's an interesting thing that you bring up in terms of how things are unfulfilled when you have the opportunity to go into a movie. Everybody has their own take, their own energetic that they that they bring into it. Something that they hope. I always look forward to that surprise. That wow, this took me on this journey, and I wasn't quite expecting where it dropped me
1: off. Right. Right. That's The Edge of Tomorrow. The Edge of Tomorrow hit number three in the box office this weekend. It got slammed by a couple other films. And I think one of the reasons why it is Tom Cruise is getting kind of a bad rap. But I want you to remember that Emily Blunt is in this film. There's a lot of, the director is fantastic. Cinematography is great. The action is great. The storyline makes sense. Uh, so obviously, it's, it's timeline and parallel, parallel universe stuff. So obviously, you're going to find vlogs. But don't look that close. Just enjoy the film. I think you're really going to love it. Uh, Tom Cruise is one of his best performances since Magnolia is for me, uh, one of his best really? performances. So Yes. And Magnolia is one of the best films I've ever seen with Tom Cruise in it.
2: You know, it's it's interesting that you say that because in, in a movie with this sort of subject matter where, especially based on the trailers that you see here with the, the action and the violence and the exploding and the yes, and the dying Tom Cruise, which I'm sure will put some butts in the seats. Right. Uh, when you can say that this in a movie of this genre, he has his best performance that 's really impressive to me because I love the action adventure genre i do i think it 's a marvelous way to tell a story you know it 's an incredible vehicle wherein not only do you have the, the, not only do you have the, the the drama but you can infuse those elements of, of heart pounding sus- suspense and build attention and you have the excitement it's it's a fully visceral and immersive experience and i think that so often people look past the talent of the actors in pieces like this to stare Mm -hmm. more at the explosions and at the special effects and i think that when it's done right it's a perfect marriage of the two so it Mm -hmm. makes me very happy to hear that his performance is something that you recognize
1: you, you can tell that, that he's trying really hard. And you, if you know Tom Cruise, you know he tries very hard. And you have to skip over all those little things that you hear. and you got to separate art from the artist a lot of times. And in this case, you do. I mean, Tom Cruise does a great job. Emily Blunt does a great job. The female characters are incredibly strong. It reminds me a lot of aliens, whereas the female archetypes are very, very strong. And not male-like. They're female, but they're strong. Um, so if you want to go see a movie... And you do. I know you do. The Edge of Tomorrow <laughs> is an excellent deep movie, right? So
0: let's, let's move on. I, I... Uh,
1: <laughs> so we, we have an excellent guest today. We have, uh, we, have, we have Shane Graham on the line today. And um, we want to talk to him today hey. about his adventures in life and his adventures in all things, acting, production, writing, and what have you. So everybody, let's uh, welcome in uh, Shane Graham. Hello, Shane. How are you?
3: Thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> it's good thank, to you. thank you for coming <laughs> on board. Yeah, of course. Anytime. This is actually really exciting for me.
1: So, so Shane, tell well, me, uh, how, did
3: you, how did you start in this whole thing?
1: Oh, so the, the, the uh, well, acting actually, thing it was a, a
3: long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first year I started acting, it was uh, I want to say it was 1997 actually. Actually, I guess if I wanted to back it up, it really started at the very beginning of me being able to talk. I wanted to be inside the TV box. So, uh, there you go. My, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was, I was, I was good at, you know, <laughs> getting my mom to do what I asked. And I asked her if I could be in the TV and she said, no. And I pressured her by saying that the, uh, the kids in the TV, well, those kids are young. Like not might be there. So I uh, convinced her to, uh, Take me out to Hollywood when I was seven, and uh, we actually walked the street, just asking people, do, we, "Do you know an agent? Do you know, you know, do you know a manager? Do you know somebody that I could talk to?" We we were going in and out of Starbucks and coffee bean, and uh, that was actually how I <laughs> got call, started. Just somebody, cold calling it, yeah. I cold called it, man. Uh, we we winged it. We we're, we're from a little farm town in Texas. We have nobody family in the industry, so it was just kind of a um, a guessing game, really. So we went out there you were, and we guessed. you were born in. You're born in
1: Bryan, Texas, right?
3: Yeah, yeah I was. I was born in Bryan, Texas, College Station area, and uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I grew up though, in a little town called Marion. So it was a very small, little bitty town. And now, uh, let me,
2: let me, I, if I may, what is what is the Culture shock, like coming from a small town like that and coming out to a big city like LA, at just knowing in your heart that this is what you want to do.
3: Well, believe it or not, I, I didn't have much culture shock, and the reason being is because as a kid, um, being on that little farm town and everybody knows everybody, and I was actually going out to Austin for auditions and for shooting, and uh, mm-hmm. so I would go out to the uh, you know Austin, Texas, which Really great city, and uh, there's a lot of film out there. So I got I got to go and spend some time in the city, and for me it was like a calling card. Like you need to get out of the country now. You 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 belong in a city. So uh, I actually I actually moved to New York City um, after I finished high school, and I lived in Manhattan for about five months uh, studying acting techniques. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, you don't get much bigger Mm -hmm. city than Manhattan.
1: Oh let's no! Go, yeah, let's go back a little bit. <laughs> so many people. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's go back a tad bit because I I know you've had a lot of performance, uh, including the martial arts as well. Cooksy Sui Um We talked yes. the other day because I, I myself am a martial artist. So, uh, tell me about your martial arts experience and how that began, and, and where do you train? And, and uh, rank is not important, but how much you enjoyed it, and, and please tell me your experience. I'd love to hear this.
3: Oh, of course, yeah. Um, well, what's funny is. I grew up as an actor, cowboy martial artist. Um, so I was going to rodeos. I competed in play days and I grew up on horseback. Um, but when I wasn't doing that, I was taking martial arts lessons because my mom and my, um, adopted dad, he's an amazing person. Uh, he, he and her, they wanted me to be well-rounded and wanted to give me everything they could. So, um, I was a really busy, active kid. I, uh, I took cook so on, which is Korean martial arts. um, very hands-on, hand-to-hand. Um, they teach you how to fall. Actually, I actually was interested in being a stuntman for a little while, but I didn't go and do it. But um, it was fun. And, and uh, I competed in a world championship in Houston, Texas I a Tacoma gold and a silver. Um, nice. Yeah, so it was, for me, martial arts is more of a lifestyle, really. That's, uh, like, I, I, I'm aware that you actually have uh, come through training, which is, amazing i did a little bit of wushu in colorado and uh it's it's more like a lifestyle than a than a talent or skill it's you know you you actually learn to be peaceful when you study martial arts which is kind of right hard to understand by most people but it's uh it's very it's very calming and it's very uh therapeutic in a way
1: well one of the things is Uh, that when, when i look at your filmography and i look at your credits and i look at the producing and the composing and the editing and the writing and the, the production, <laughs> even the production, assistant, which is total humility. It definitely shows a martial art mentality of doing things the right way and being humble, taking jobs when they're available and preparing for the future. Is that, is that a focus of yours?
3: Yes, absolutely. If you, if, you, if you don't, I mean, I don't know how to put this in words. You, you definitely want to take every route you can. I know a lot of uh, actor friends that just want to act or they just want to uh, theater. They just want to, well, you, you can do anything you want to do. I mean, you don't have to stick to one thing. And if you want to stay busy, the best way to go about it, in my opinion, of course, is just to pursue everything at once. Um, I I do a lot of production assistant work still. Um, just got done with some Pepsi commercials and, it, what it does is it keeps you around the industry and the business and you, and you get to learn and it actually makes you a better actor because you learn, you know, a lot about, you know, your frame size and there's subtleties and different subtleties in, in a close-up and a medium and, and, you, and you learn how to find your light and you learn how to hit your mark and you learn, you learn who is who and who does what and it's, it's, it's very important. So, yeah, I'd definitely say anybody who wants to be a good actor, just learn everything. Write yourself a script. Sometimes, if you're any good at it, you know. You know, <laughs> that's what I would say.
1: Right. <laughs> well, that that yeah. leads us into our next section, which is uh, your your classical acting training. And uh, I know Charles wanted to ask that to get into that a little bit.
2: Yes, I did, and I want to kind of tie that into uh, the martial arts as well, because uh, I, as well, am I'm a, I'm a kung fu practitioner, and I absolutely love it. And I think that as an actor it helps me to uh link myself in sort of spiritually as well as mentally to the task at hand. And I noticed that you, you uh study Meisner and, and uh, that you studied Strasbourg. Do you mm-hmm. find that your martial arts training has lent itself to an improvement in those aspects?
3: Absolutely. You know that's that's something that I didn't even think I would touch on it. That's funny. The, the, uh, the teacher I had, one of my teachers, Paul Warner, who's an amazing teacher uh, out in New York, he, he told me, you know, martial artists usually make good actors. And that sat with me because I was thinking, myself, that, that, that's true that I find it easier to be present in a scene and to have a strong presence in a scene because of a martial arts experience. There's, there's a, I don't want to sound silly, but there's, there's almost an energy to it that you, you automatically have in the back of your mind and in your eyes whenever you're talking to someone. And it helps you being in the moment, too. Like uh, Mindsure technique, you know, the definition is living truthfully in imaginary circumstance. And that sounds kind of ridiculous to some people, but, you know, when you're living truthfully, you don't think, you just do. And martial artists are doers, and it, it helps you to just react, listen personally. It's, it, it helps your emotions to be charged, I guess. Yeah, that definitely something to help.
2: I think, you know, and it's funny, there's another correlation also between martial arts and Meisner specifically in that repetition, repetition, repetition. We both know Meisner, repeat and repeat and repeat. And again, uh, just as as, uh, something to which Steve can attest, martial arts, repeat, repeat, repeat. And I think that that... Correlation. That link is something that I find fascinating. Let me ask you this: When you are approaching a scene, uh, when you get material, how is it that you you sink your teeth into it? How do you How do you prepare to deal with some of the the stresses and the dramas of getting into into, especially from a young age, getting into a scene with material?
3: Well, I'll tell you, uh, I've changed a lot over the years. I I mean, my original approach was childless, but that's Probably because I was a child, you know. <laughs> but um, originally it was just, okay, what, what happened? Hey, hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, I can't talk. <laughs> oh, but um, originally it was, um, you know, okay, so I'm mad at this person. I say this. I say this. How would I say this? And I'm watching myself with a camera, you know, imaginary camera going around me. And uh, over the years I've learned that it's, uh, it's more about what happened before the scene. Because your, your 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 moment before is actually really important, and I've found that out um, after a, a lot of practice and trial and error, that um, when you go into it, you already have emotion set up. And then uh, the next approach, I guess I get about it, is uh, really breaking down my character. I have a good backstory usually. Like, you know, you get the character description, but there's always more to it. And so you look up everyone else's character descriptions, <laughs> And you find out how their relationships are. So, you know, like if this guy in the past, you know, uh, say had an affair with my girlfriend, and that would affect how I react to him in the scene, even though it's not in the scene. So you you want to try to find a backstory to everything, you know. And, yeah, I guess just not overthinking it, too, which is kind of silly after saying all that. But if you... If you do too much, you're you are going to be acting, and that's something. I mean, you guys know from uh, y'all's training. Is, indication is awful. Whenever people can tell that you're acting, you're doing a bad job. So if you just do the work and don't overthink it, it usually that's works out pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, things work. little
1: here. Well. You, you've been acting for a long. You have credits all over the place, and you, you you go back way far. But you know, IMDb only catches so much. Uh, you know, as well as bios, as well as other things as well. But, you know, as far as I'm... I I want to talk to you about From the Ground Up. From the Ground Up was a short story that you wrote and you played Dex in it. So was that your first forte into writing uh, short film or short projects? Or did you do that before? Or did you always have an interest in writing?
3: Well, I always had kind of an interest in writing. And I I, I have uh, written some other things. I'm just kind of sitting on them for now. I figured once I get my... uh, my name out there more, I'll start pursuing writing and directing, but um, From the Ground Up was originally uh, given to me uh, by a friend teacher who told me, hey, you need to write a short story, we're going to shoot it, it's going to be, we can make it part of your curriculum. I figured, ah, well, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I decided to write a script that could be easily shot in only a few locations that had a lot of depth and a lot of meaning behind it. And so I wrote that script and, um, when you're a writer, you could, you could kind of cast yourself if you want. And that's what I wanted to do. Uh, so I definitely made the character something that I was, I felt I could really get a good grasp on and wrote it about, uh, drug abuse. And, and, uh, yeah, we, we shot that in actually two days. We crammed the shooting of that in the, into 48 hours and just got the work done. So, uh, wow. yeah, I'd actually be happy I mean, to you are, email you a clip of that.
1: <laughs> I would love that. I mean, I, I saw a little bit on, on YouTube, because we thank God for YouTube, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> but, definitely. It's so great. You have production credits, you have writing credits, you've got composer credits, you have editing credits, and then you have production assistant credits. You know, I mean, you have, you're all over the board. So this, this is somebody who's got <laughs> high-level brain. Right. This is somebody who's got a high-level brain function. So, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about Boyhood yet, but when I, when I first saw the clip for Boyhood, I, I was blown away, and I, I just was dying to see this film. I can't wait to talk to you about it, but I still want to talk to you some more about a little bit of, of your past. Um, yes, So you definitely. went to the, uh, the Austin School of Film. Um, yeah. How was that? How was the Austin School of Film, and what did you learn from there? And what could you tell other young people? that maybe go to NYU or anywhere else that want to learn about film, uh, what did you do right? What, do you, could, what could you have done different?
3: Oh, sure. Um, there's a lot of things that could have been different. And uh, I did take a break uh, in my acting career to date girls when I started dating girls for the first time. <laughs> and that was the worst mistake ever because I, <laughs> I had momentum and I was starting to get yeah. work and do good things. And I got my first girlfriend and just kind of fell off the map for a year. So, um, but yeah, it, this, this, I guess advice, uh, I'd say stay focused really. I mean, there's a lot of auditions where I'd actually just, I'd learn my lines the night before, you know, and then go in there with a semi understanding of where I need to get done and what my character's objectives are. And But I didn't really take it as serious as I wish I would have,
1: which now I'm really, really taking things seriously. But um, hindsight, hindsight I
3: think is awesome twenty
1: twenty. Right? Great place. Do what? Uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, it's easy to look back and go, "I should have done that differently." The the, the great quote I love is that yeah. the, the smart person learns from the mistakes. The genius Absolutely. learns from other people's mistakes. <laughs> and that you're is a you're genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're sure. a very young man for to learn such lessons. And the great thing is, is that, and the sad thing is at the same time is that young Hollywood, young young media doesn't don't really have a lot of inspiring people. Uh, a lot of people say no, very negative things. Right. They don't say negative, right? Absolutely, yeah. They'll say things only about themselves or only the you know. So it's it's awesome that somebody who's on the cusp who's was right there. Who had it before? who's going to get again when the film comes out? You're going to blow up. You're going to be on a radio show next week. That's going to, just going to have even just more a bigger audience and just just a fantastic school here. Um, as as far as I go back to the Austin School, how's your experience there? And what can what can other actors learn from school that they can't learn from just like popping on a film or going on a production?
3: Well, this. There's there's a few things to that. Um, I know some actors who just naturally have it. I mean, some actors just, they're on it. I mean, you give them a piece of script, they rule that script. But, you know, there are things that you really need to learn from training. And uh, I was one of those guys that needed it. I I could cry on cue since I was four, and I, I, I had these little tricks up my sleeve that I used to do, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't a very editable actor. And that's actually really important too. And um, going to school will actually give you a well-rounded mindset to the things that you wouldn't normally think about. Like um, like I was saying earlier, like hitting your mark, oh, my gosh, continuity in a, in a scene is so important. And uh, there's so many examples I can cite just from being a PA that, um, actors aren't editable. They don't realize uh the little technical aspects that go into acting that you that you don't just see when you're watching a movie. And uh Austin School of Film was had really great classes. Um I took uh some PA boot camp training there, which came in handy. <laughs> and uh oh, nice. Yeah, took took some directing and writing classes and um from there I actually went on to the New York Film Academy and uh Boy, was that training! That was that was intense. That was a solid year of study, 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 and um, yeah. I mean, you can't. There's some things you can't teach because some actors can spend you know eight, ten years in school and they still don't look great on on a film, and you know that's just this happens that way. But in some actors, they just they just have it. But I would say schooling definitely. I mean, if you want to make your, yourself a better actor. And make yourself a better actor. You don't, don't procrastinate or not do it because right. of whatever reason you have. Just, I would definitely say pursue some schooling. Just what is your me, what is least. your
2: what is your dream role now? Talking about acting and being in different situations, if you could have your dream part right now for you that you write yourself or maybe you just get cast in, what where do you see yourself right now? What would that dream be?
3: Oh wow. Um, well, I have two answers for that. One, I want to be Angel uh, from the the comic books, Angel,
1: that's the superhero.
3: Yeah, yeah. When he becomes Archangel, I want to be him. <laughs> but okay. I mean, you, you want I'm you want to be? Her, boss, wait, well,
1: hold on, stop! Everybody, stop! Everybody, stop talking. You want to be Weed's okay. Angel for a new feature film version?
3: Oh yeah, that's what I want. But I mean. If, I guess if, uh, if we aren't going
1: to that extreme dream, then do what? That is awesome. I, oh, I love that show. I love that show. I, I'm a gigantic Joss Whedon fan. I, I love, I've seen shows every year. I go to Buffy, I go to Angel, you know, I, I, Dollhouse. We, we go to all the shows. I, I, love, I love Angel very much. It's one of the more darker ones. You would want to play yeah. Angel, huh? I want to Yeah, hear I want to play Angel or,
3: or you know, well, the, the character itself. Um, I mean, the DC the, the DC character originally, uh, or, I'm sorry, Marvel, blah. But um, the, the character himself, I have a deep connection with because I've always had a fascination with wings, which is kind of weird. But um, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be able to fly. And I actually still constantly dream about flying. That's like a plague in my life. I want to fly so bad. Um, So, yeah, that that character really, really fascinates me. And I, ever since I got word of this character, I've been blown away. And you know what's funny enough? uh, The lead in Sharkboy and Lava Girl, his name is Caden Boyd. um, Mm -hmm. He actually, whenever he was a little kid, he played the young version in X-Men 3 at the opening scene where he's cutting off his wings. Yeah. That was him playing the young angel and uh, when i saw him on x men 3 i was like no because i wish i was, <laughs> oh, I was in that scene I was, useless <laughs> angel
0: yeah <laughs> so
1: upset man he's
3: only
0: there to shave us
1: off you know you're going to bring they're probably going to bring they're probably going to bring angel back for apocalypse oh the definitely. Film, apocalypse. And they're probably going to make it oh yeah, yeah right they're, they're going to make him one of the horsemen so i say that you should be the new angel for X Men Apocalypse as being yeah. one of the Apocalypse Horsemen. I really uh, want nice. my role. <laughs> we're gonna I'm push that for that you, baby. It. We we want that. We want that for you. Hey, you know, Shane, you're, we're, you're so We're grounded. going to carry that banner for you.
2: We're going to carry that banner for you and, and make that happen. <laughs> and Angel by <has laughs> darker entity, Archangel, is that yeah. something you want to dive into as well? That yes, sort yeah. of. That, that's, that's part of the
3: reason why I want that character is because. Like in the secret place of film I just got done filming, I actually play a very serious antagonist. I'm a I'm a rapist. And uh I have I have an I, I'm not a bad person, I don't I don't call myself, but I do have a strong connection with uh antagonists. I've always had that. I've always wanted to be the bad guy in a movie and um but at the same time I wanna I wanna be a good guy. So I, angels like the best of both worlds and uh I mean like, and even when I was a kid, Shrek and Lava Girl I was a classroom bully. Um, and Cicadas, so I was a little brat. Uh, and, and from the ground up, I'm a meth addict uh, that kills a person. Uh, so you, it's, it's funny. They, most of, I'm actually character-casted, more or less, as a bad guy. Um, really? Boyhood, boyhood's a little different, and we'll get to that. But yeah. um, typically, I'm a bad person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> In the movie.
3: Well, you're one of the nicest bad people that
0: I yeah. know. Oh, thanks, appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I want, I want, to, I want to go to something here. You know, uh, one, one of the things that I want to talk to you about was, you know, how, how humble and how grounded you are, and that's what I, that's what oh, I really like about you. You know, what, what is your view wow. on young Hollywood and, and how, how young can you, Hollywood? How can you avoid the crazy? Yes, I, what's your view on, on young Hollywood? Because you know, you're coming into it right now. You're very important. I would say, in the yeah. overview, it's very you very hard with you do. Uh, Well, uh, there's, there's a lot to Hollywood be said man. about
3: young. Are you there? Are you breaking out a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. Kind of- we're here. Oh, Okay, I got you. Okay, my phone was kind of crackling. Young Hollywood is. Uh, well, here's 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 my point of view. I've already gotten my crazy side out of me, and I know that's kind of crazy to say. Um, but I mean, I've, I've been in trouble before. I hung out with the wrong group of people senior year. Um, I, I guess party hardied, you know, when I was 19 and I got it out of my system, I guess you could say, but, um, young Hollywood now is, I mean, everyone that I meet here says that they're an actor or that they're, um, a director or. This. And then I'm interested because I, I want to make friends. And I, I, it's always important, especially to be successful, to, to get to know people and be friendly with people and nice to people and get to know who they are. But then whenever you dig into people that say they're actors, they're not. And a lot of people want to be actors, but they're not going about it the right way. And uh, Young Hollywood is, I don't want to say this without, it's going to sound mean, but Young Hollywood's lazy. Right. I mean, in general, I'm not, I'm not saying everyone is, because I know there's a lot of people I know that are hard at work, doing the work, getting things done. But many people that I meet that are young actors or aspiring directors, producers, they're very lazy. They don't, they're not working, they're not doing what they need to do to be successful, and they're, and they're hoping that something just happens upon them, but you can't sit around and wait for things to happen. You have to make things happen. So well, um, what did, what that's my been, view on the Rockets.
1: If I was in Hollywood right now and I was, you know, 22 years old, just came back from Missouri. I lived in Missouri all my life, and I'm like, "Hey, Shane, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I just made this first movie. I, I co acted in it, so I kind of have a credit on IMDb. I got a, my sad card. Um, what do I do next? You know, because I'm, I'm, I've been invited to all these parties, and you know, I want to go drinking. I want to go smoke some pot, but. You know, which, which should I focus on right now? Should I go party and hang out with these people and make connections? Or or should I focus on the work? Or Shane, what should I do? I'm, I'm 22. I'm from Missouri. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do here wow. in Hollywood.
3: <laughs> I like how you say, Shane, what should I do? Like, I'm, I'm a know-all, be-all guy. But I, I appreciate that. I, I would say definitely um, cut your partying out completely. That's something I did whenever I uh, got out of Austin. I went to New York. I decided I'm going to stop going to parties and I stopped drinking, stop smoking, even if it's if even consider it temporarily, done very occasionally, I would just stop trying to be a social mongrel and start really focusing on being a professional because a professional works and social mongrel's cool that night and then you might not call them in for work the next day and I I would just be a professional and that's something that's helped me have clarity is not running around partying not um, being overly social and just having that select group of good friends. Um, right.
1: And the well, next thing I would the do the is if you have a SAG card and a credit.
3: I'm sorry, what? what? No,
1: uh, no, I would, no, please continue. I'm sorry for... Oh, the next thought. thing I would do with
3: the SAG card, uh, I would definitely make sure you have an agent. If you already have one, that's good. If you wouldn't, if you don't, then definitely get one. And I would professionally email people, like, if you already have a credit, you have an ID pro, probably you can actually go to agents that aren't like top agents and you can find an email to send an email to saying, Hey, I'm so-and-so. I have this credit. I feel like I'm ready to pursue my acting in the LA market. Um, and go from there, get an agent, audition, you do the work, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, I wouldn't just stick to acting if you're starting out acting because starting out acting is, is uh, even if you're really good, is is kind of like scratching a lotto. I mean, you, you definitely want to have more tickets. And uh, being a PA, you know, being a wardrobe truck driver, I've done that. You know, be, being anything you can be uh, to be around the industry is really, really important. Well, Shane, well we you know, have, a, one we of have the... question
1: here. We have a question here from the message boards and uh, guest four nine six uh, Johnny G is asking. Uh, you know, if he comes to Los Angeles and gets started immediately, does production or starting in production, is that a good thing?
3: Production is a great thing. I can't complain about that. I, I mean, I, you know what's interesting, uh, Johnny, is that I, when my plane ride from New York to L.A. was happening, I was, I was flying out here um, because I wanted to take my last semester of the New York Film Academy at the L.A. campus just so I could go ahead and be grounded and kind yeah, of be nice. in the area. Well, actually, the person I was talking to on the plane was the script supervisor for Clint Eastwood, believe it or not. Um, wow. A really wonderful lady. Her name's Mabel McRae. She's an amazing person. And I didn't even know that. I was just talking to her on the plane just to talk, you know, be social. And um, she was nice, and then she revealed that to me like when we were landing, and I, my mouth dropped. I was just like, oh my gosh. But um, she and her husband Robert McCray, a wonderful man, they helped get me my first PA job. So anyway, there is there is a who you know aspect of it and I was just that was dumb luck. I was just trying to have a conversation with a nice person and it just happened to lead me to a PA work and but if you did want to go into production I'd definitely say look for internships because like production companies like Arrow Films and Hungry Man and uh, there's Uber, there's, there's a lot of production companies that offer um, internships for people who want to intern as a PA. And after a couple of weeks, you'll get hired on as a PA. And it's, I mean, it's it's decent pay. You can pay your bills while you're looking for acting jobs, and uh, you get to know people. And um, some DL advice, I'd say definitely uh, get to know your set coordinators, production coordinators, because they, they'll call you back from more PA work. Shane, I was I was just uh, sitting here listening to you speak,
2: and you're you're so well spoken, you're so eloquent. You have such a charm about
3: you. And <laughs> well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> that. That that I'm blushing over here, man.
1: <laughs> we can't hear you, Charles. Hey, compliments, and then he runs away. Look at that. <laughs> well, you know it's it, it's true. Let me. You know, it's true that, you know, when we talk to people, and Charles acts, has been acting for a very long time. It's very, very true that when you talk to people, they they identify themselves almost with their future success, and that's how they act. And that's not how you act. And that's that's very that's very impressive for somebody, uh, especially for somebody who's worked in production or on film. Charles, are you here?
0: Yes. Wow. Thank
2: okay. you. Ask your question. Okay. Uh... So Shane, um, my question to you—I don't know if you uh, if you heard it before—but uh, again, I was singing your accolades. And um, if if you were to go into another portion of the industry, let's say you said, you know what, I'm done acting, I'm not going to do it anymore, but I like this industry. Where would you go?
3: I uh, uh, everywhere. <laughs> um, I would definitely go into directing because I mm-hmm. feel like. Uh, there's a lot of responsibility on a director to uh, get what he needs out of an actor. And I, I have worked with some really great actors, directors. And by that, they, they, I mean, they, they let the actor go through his process and make decisions. And if he doesn't like that decision, then he turns them back and says, this is what I would rather see. But I definitely want to be a director because I feel like I'd be able to talk to an actor pretty well and tell him, you know, this is your objective. I want to, I want you to raise the stakes on this objective and this objective and don't worry so much about this and, I think that direct, there's a lot that rests on the shoulders of a director, and I, I like responsibility like that. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I guess directing would definitely be something I would jump into. But there's other things, too. I mean, the camera department, great department. You'd, without a good DP, your movie's probably going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. And script sure. supervising, I actually like that, too. So, um, I don't know yet. We'll see, really. Well, you
2: were one of those amazing people that when the credits roll, it will just be your name on
0: <laughs> every, <laughs> every part. <Okay. laughs> or the, or the album. Also, From
3: said direction
2: yeah. down to craft services. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, man, I miss craft services right now. I could really use some snacks. But, uh, no, that's, that's funny. I appreciate that. That that, that means a lot. It, that makes me feel like I'm doing something right. So.
1: Let's go into your let's go into your adventures in acting here. Uh, I, I want to skip a couple beats and go into uh, the adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl, working with Robert oh, Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, how was that? I mean, you already had some credits behind you on that one, so did you know who Robert Rodriguez was? And, and how did you feel about working with him?
3: You know, the moment I got that audition, I I uh, I looked up everybody involved, of course, and I was really blown away because he had done so much. Um, before that, I, would, I I loved his movies. And um, I went to the initial audition, and I was auditioning for Sharkboy, um, who is played by Taylor Lautner. And ah. I did the audition. I left. But I guess I, I played it a little mean. <laughs> but they, they did they, I didn't think I was going to get called back, and I got called back for it. My mom was like, Shane, you got the call back for it. And I was like, no way, because I thought I did a bad job. And then the next day I went in and it's crazy that actually at that time um, I was uh, having like self-doubt. I was doubting myself as an actor. And even after all those years, I was like starting to feel like, man, what if I I don't make it? And asking that what if. And I did my callback in a bad mood. (laughs) I was in a bad mood (laughs) at the callback. And I, I, I read and... After I got done reading it, it, I guess she thought that I was still in character. Her name is Bess a wonderful lady, and a cast director out in Texas. And she said, Shane, what's wrong? And I, and I, I, I even told her, I'm like, I don't know if I'm – am I good at this? And she's like, Shane, you're the only one I have circled right now. You're fine. Go. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, they – sure enough, I got called in for a fitting, and I'm like, no way. Well, they had already casted Sharkboy, apparently, in L.A., uh, they had met with Hila Lautner out here, and um, so I guess by the time I went to my callback, it was already casted, but they, were, they still wanted to bring me in, and uh, so they brought me in as a bully, and I played a classroom bully, and she was lava girl. What a girl. What a fun little adventure that was, and uh, Robert was really nice. He was great, man. Kids run around on set, and they were cool kids, and uh, I got to meet and talked with uh, George Lopez. I got to sit next to him in the seats. And, uh, oh, man, what a fun time. That was a really great adventure. <laughs> that sounds great.
1: You know, I, I, I'm old enough to, to have grown up with, with young Hollywood and, and, and see them be on TV shows and then see them in big cinema films. and It's, it's, it's crazy that to grow yeah. up as a child and, and see people you grow up with, like Taylor Lautner, and then later on you see them in Twilight, and you're like, whoa, that's Dude, I was oh, in the yeah. movie with that dude. Yeah. That's,
3: that's insane. Unbelievable! I couldn't believe when I, whenever I saw Twilight. I was like, Taylor, Taylor, oh my gosh, Taylor, you're you're in this movie. I I, I was watching it and just blown away. And then the the uh, second Twilight came out, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's a star in Twilight. And uh, yeah, that blew me away. That was pretty amazing. That was that was something else. <laughs>
1: See that's what makes you special than other people because uh, I've always said y- you always know people by how happy they are by your happiness. So a lot of actors are not happy that other people are successful, but uh, oh,
3: that's just jealousy. you somebody... need to get over that.
1: <laughs> right,
3: right. Well, look, look where
1: your career is taking you. I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, going going into and we're we're about to go into that into the Richard Linklater films. Um, your your next progress right after Shark Boy and Love a Girl. Uh, you did a couple of other short films, uh, Exterminators, and Holland, and Beast of Burden, and From the Ground Up, that you wrote and yeah. also was in, uh, Spotless Dirt <laughs> as well, and then came right, and then and then came Boyhood. Now, Boyhood just recently won a big; it was a big winner of the Seattle Film Festival, uh, beating out How to Train a Dragon, and, and uh, so yeah. it's just it's just one of those great films directed by uh, Richard Linklater, and it, if you're in. If you're unfamiliar with Richard Linklater, then let me just name off a, a couple of his films here. Days Confused, I, I would say that 90% of the audience here would know what Days Confused is. Uh, it's either the song by Led Zeppelin or it's the movie. You got School it's got mantra.
2: I live and, my life that
1: way. <laughs> oh, you know, Quentin Tarantino said that Days Confused was the movie that he watches in the background as almost white noise. It's very much a, an enjoyable film. Now, for me, Days Confused, I got the Blu-ray edition. I, I just love that film. I love, I love all the actors in it. I love seeing like a, um, a very young, young Batman, up-and-coming Batman in that film. You know what I'm talking yep. about? Yep. That was yeah. awesome. Hey, and you can't even recognize him because he's, 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 uh, he's, the, he's the jackass throughout the entire film. So I mm-hmm. love Ben Affleck in that movie. And you have Matthew McConaughey. Anyways, uh, David McFields, School of Raw, Bad News Bears. Fast Food Nation, A Scanner Darkly with, with uh, Robert Downey Jr., which was just, I love that film. Uh, written by the same man who wrote uh, Blade Runner, by the way. Uh, me and Orson Welles, which for a lot of people, a lot of people I know have, have not seen that film. I'm a huge Orson Welles fan. I love that movie. I love the acting in the film. I love the main acting in the film. Bernie, which was an excellent film. And then Before Midnight. And then then comes Boyhood. Now, Boyhood is, is, is yeah. a film that was filmed for 12 years. So, please, please tell us about your experience. Cause you started, you started in production, what around three years into the production, four years into the production.
3: Yeah, um, they started shooting that I believe in 2002, and uh, I came right. in in let me see, 2004. And right. yes, yeah, so it a couple of years in, and I did I did three years of that, uh, four, five, and six. And uh, that was that was that was something that was that was the best. One of the best times in my life. That was actually uh, one of the best times in my life. Yeah, the I didn't even know it was a big deal at the time. Believe it or not, the even the lead has said that too, and um, I didn't even well, know got, my mom was you like, "You booked the role." There. Do what?
1: I mean, you have huge stars in there. I mean, you have Patricia uh, how do you say Eller Col- Col- Coltrane? Coltrane.
3: Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Nice. Hey, but that's
3: the thing, though, is whenever I booked this role, I was kind of confused. Um, okay. because, right. I mean, it was way back in the day, but uh, I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. It was just a few days of filming, but then I'm supposed to come back next year. And I was like, wait, is this, is this going to be getting made or is it not? And um, the, uh, then my, uh, my parents were trying to explain to me, look, this is actually going to be a, long, a long-term commitment. And I thought to myself, wow, well, that's interesting. And I did my three years of filming, and then I went on with my career. And um, then, lo and behold, it was, uh, what was it, like, a year and a half ago. Surprise, surprise, it's going to Sundance. That's a last-minute entry. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, there's Boyhood. It's coming. It's, you know." And I had no idea it would be such a huge, huge phenomenon. But it is an interesting way to film a movie. It's definitely original. I mean, for a fiction, it's, it's, it's uh, one of a kind. Oh,
1: it's absolutely revolutionary. The, the, film, the, the film, the film in 12 years in separate times, get the same actor being, you know, Eli Coltrane and, and having him act in that film and come back at three different portions of his existence. The, the film also stars Patricia Arquette, Ethan Hawke, um, L- Lorelai uh, Linklater as well. How was it like working mm-hmm. with the director's daughter? Did you, did you have any scenes with her?
3: Well, um, my scene, I, read, I, read, uh, I, I only had one scene with her, and she was actually uh, walking behind me. I can't give too much of the movie away, because I'm pretty sure I'd get in a lot of trouble. Um, yes. But I can yeah. say that they're they're yeah, they're they're all they're all really wonderful people to work with, and uh, Eller's just stellar. He's Eller's stellar. That's a great great way to put it. Um, <laughs> he's really natural. He's just a great actor, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, and his daughter is a really sweet girl. Richard Linklater is a great person. I, I can't tell you how, how nice he is. And uh, even though the, uh, a few years ago, you know, I, I can tell you he was one of the nicest directors I've ever met. So.
2: Was it really? hard for you on a project of this length and scope to come back and find this character again year after year?
3: Not at all. And the thing with that is, is and what makes this movie amazing, is that people more or less are playing themselves. Um, I know that, I mean, just for the people that kind of filter in and out, because there's no, um, how do I put it, there's no set arc. It's not like a normal structure. It, Richard is very, very patient. He just lets his characters kind of flow in and out of the storyline, just like they do in life. You know, people come and go in your life. And then they, they're gone in an instant. And, but that little subtlety that touched the story is important. And, um, yeah, so it wasn't easy to find because he, he really just had me doing things that he felt that I could do. And uh, that's what makes it so fascinating and so good and so quality because I've, I've seen the film. I went to the Captain Cruise screening in Austin.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: uh, i got to say, it was, a, it was a beautiful film. It had me thinking for days after I saw it. I, I walked out of the theater euphoric. And uh, just, really? just full face and credit in movies again. I, was, I, I wanted to go see more movies after that. Because it, it's kind of like Days to Confuse where you watch it once and you're like, heck, that was great. But then mm-hmm. you can't wait to watch it again and show your friends. That's, that's how the movie is. So it's, it's exciting. How was I'll it getting you, uh, reacquainted with your castmates? Oh, it was great. It was, like a, it was like a family reunion, you know? Um, and what's crazy is the last year I came back and filmed, and then I was gone. Um, years passed before I saw him or talked to him again, Eller, because he, he, he had to finish filming the movie. He had a lot to do. And, um, but then when I went to the cast and crew screening, uh, to see the differences, it, it, it had my mouth dropped because when I left the set um, back in Elk's six. or six um, I was towering over him. He was about a head shorter than me. And I had Uh my arm around him. I have a picture of it. It's great. And then when I went to the cast and crew screening, he's an inch taller than I am. (laughs) I looked at him like, oh, my God, you're huge. I'm a little guy now. It was amazing to see that change. And he's a really nice person. Um, I never really hung out with him outside of set. But I can tell you from my experience, he's he's amazing as a person and as an actor in general. And his performance had me... uh, um, leaning forward in my seat. I gotta say that. But. So that's,
1: that's well, Shane, you play, you play Stanley in the film without giving anything away of the film. Uh, what is Stanley in relation to the film without, without giving anything away? But of course, I think Boyhood is more of an experience than it is a detailed story like maybe Guardians Very of the Galaxy much. or Avengers.
0: Exactly. Right, it's yeah.
1: right I think it's more of a po- it looks more of a poem to me. Like, that's what really inspired me. It looked beautiful and it, it felt more like a feeling. In relation to structure, well, what is Stanley in this Um
3: I can tell you this. I can tell you uh, my character comes in uh, comedic relief timing, I guess, you could say. Uh, he's a friend of uh, Eller's from the neighborhood, or Mason's from the neighborhood, and um, what else can I say? I can't wait to give anything I don't want to 000. give anything away because I really want you to I, see I, I go. I cannot it. wait until you
1: work I can't wait I can't wait until you work as angel on Apocalypse and you can't say anything.
3: It's like yeah. I was like playing
0: angel.
1: Uh I liked having wings. Can I say that? No, I can't say yeah. That yeah.
0: That. <laughs> no, You're okay. not gonna be able to say anything. Now, yeah. Shane,
2: uh, know in talking to you, you're an incredibly funny, well-spoken person. You've said that you like playing the antagonist, that you get cast as the bad guy. What about comedy? Do you like doing comedy? Do you see yourself uh, moving, foraying into
3: comedy? You know what's funny is I've heard people say that drama is much more difficult to do than comedy, but I actually think it's the opposite because comedic timing is so, so precise. I mean, comedic actors actually are actually working just as hard as any dramatic actor. And for me, I don't think I really nail comedy. Like, I, I've seen myself do a little comedy and little short uh, skits and things, and I've never been impressed. And I know that I'm my hardest critic, because as an actor, you're always beating yourself up, you know, after every audition sure. you take. But um, I don't think comedy is my forte. I mean, I'm going to work on it, and I'm going to get better at it. I, I don't stop studying. I think continually training is important, but... Um no, I think I think drama actually holds a place in me and because of what I've been through in life and uh I I think that um I'm a comedy for now and we'll see if (laughs) later on I jump into it, you know.
2: Well, we will be very excited when you do decide to because you're just amazing in everything, so looking forward to that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate that. you gave me so much, so much confidence this today, man. I'm telling you. <laughs>
2: well, you know what? It's, the main thing we want to do is we want to deflate your ego because you have such attitude. You know, we just got to knock you down a couple pegs. I think.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, try to. Yeah. Pull you yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, cool yourself, <laughs>
1: Shane. You know, we don't, we don't like this from guests. You know, when they, when they ask for the special <laughs> water with the strawberry and, and herbs and stuff, it's like, oh, Shane Graham. <laughs> There's no cucumber show. in that oh, cup. God. Yeah. <laughs> I know. The, the room has to be white. Only green M and M's.
3: Exactly. Yep. <laughs> uh, T- tell me,
1: are, are you are you looking forward to that in the future, or is that something that's out of your mind? Are you are you looking forward to some of the comforts of uh, of hitting uh, like a like a like a mainstream uh, career? Oh, whereas uh,
3: I well, when I was a little kid. I guess I did want to be a star when I started acting. And part of it was because I liked to pretend, and I pretended. And then after years and years and years, I, I progressively learned what it really is about, and it's about being immortal in a way. And I'll, I'm happy to explain that view. But um, I don't want to necessarily be a mainstream star. I just want to consistently work. I want to, I want to make a living doing it. Because my, my actu- actually my goal with my money, once I make it, is, uh, to open up adoption homes. I know oh, really not something you probably expect to hear, but, um, my oh. father calling my dad, he, he adopted me when I was two and it meant a lot to me. And he taught me how to be a man and how to work hard and how to be kind and respectful to people. And, um, it stuck. So, uh, once I do begin to have a good savings, I do want to open up adoption centers and that's actually one of my goals. So I, I, I don't really want to be a famous guy. I'm not really worried about that. I just want to be able to tell yeah. stories and be part of movies because it's interesting. And uh, I told, that's I told, uh, interesting. That, that, I'm sorry, I cut you off? <laughs>
1: no, no. That, it, See, my, there you my go again, like,
3: Shane. Here's, here's that attitude.
2: You're cutting off. I know. Oh <laughs> little, oh you're, being and, you're being rowdy you know, and so you're being,
1: you know, you're being
3: Come with. on. <laughs> oh, oh, my God,
1: this guy, he just he won't stop talking, I'm telling you.
3: <laughs> I, I am kind of rambling, though, no, for real. No, no you are,
1: you, you're, yeah. you're awesome, you're awesome. And, and you're actually touching right on a point that I want to talk to you, which is mentors. And you're, you're saying to me that oh. your adopted father was your mentor. Tell, tell me how important was your mentor to your life, and, and how could somebody else find a mentor in their life, just like you did? And, and did it help you in
3: Hollywood? Oh yeah. Um, well, I have a couple mentors. Um, my dad being one of them. Um, and I was I was actually bucking the system as a kid. I was a little rebellious, and uh, I would I would I'd try to get out of things. And I was even mean sometimes to my dad, but he was patient. And once you grow up a little bit, you realize, wow, he's really important. And uh, but yeah, my dad's a mentor of mine, and he he it does help me. And definitely my mom too. I can't I can't leave her out. My mom's awesome and she uh no, of course. she's always supported me throughout everything I ever wanted to do and always did her best to uh give me what I wanted. And I I I, uh, I can't I can't have a better mom, I can't tell you that much. But um no, my my grandfather too. My grandfather's name is Bill Wood and uh he's an old man now and a really wonderful person and uh you know what's cool about him? Actually, he was shot down in World War II. He escorted bomber planes um, in a, I think it's a P-47 uh, Thunderbird, oh,
0: wow. um, and
3: was shot. He was shot down at 11,000 feet and parachuted into uh, German occupied territory, and was captured and was imprisoned as a prisoner of war for a whole year, and then General Patton rolled in on tanks and freedom. So, <laughs> but he's a mentor because he. he uh, he he really taught me how to just be kind to people. He's like a perfect example of someone who will not stop offering you a soda or tea when you come to his house. He's one of those guys that just... The kindness level is off the chart. You can't really understand why he's such a nice person, but he is. And, uh, yeah, so my dad and, and Bill are huge mentors. And, uh, you know, my mom is... You know the most supportive mom in the world. So, you know, needless to say, so it's, we, uh, what, oh, sorry, what? what I'm
1: hearing is the building blocks. What I'm hearing is the building blocks are very important. So, the, the oh yeah, parents, yeah, yeah. The grandparents, the building blocks are very important. huh?
3: Yeah, don't disregard your parents for a second, man. Because you you realize how important they are when you're away from them. And uh, yeah, I learned pretty quick, especially being out of the house. I just kept thinking, man, you know my parents were there, man. My parents were there for me. And I should definitely, you know, try to return the favor and respect and love and remembering what they got you. So, I mean, yeah, that's definitely important.
1: You mentioned your mentors as well. Why don't you you tell us a little bit about your other mentors as well? I'd love to hear about these. You know, I've had mentors all of my life. And and you mentioned the martial arts as well. And, uh, you know, martial arts is just, a a chemical background for for mentors yeah um, where were definitely. your other mentors in your life and how do they help you out
3: sure um i uh, had a um mr charles really great uh a wine teacher who uh, taught me the value of repetition and what you were, what you were touching on before with my is repetition that's that is martial arts, you know, you, you repeat and you repeat and you repeat, kick, 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 drop down, do a push-up, learn how to spin, you drop your staff. do ten push ups. The, the repetition is uh, beautiful for life in general. But, um, uh, yeah, I had a really great martial arts coach, and uh, he taught me to, you know, find my peace. And uh, another mentor who never knew oh, – not a mentor, but an idol, I guess you could say. Someone I look up to, and I've been following since I was a little kid, uh, and it's going to sound goofy, but Leonardo DiCaprio is, like, my man. Like, he is the dude. And, uh, I keep getting mad because he keeps getting robbed Oscars. (laughs) But, but, uh, he's he's someone I really look up to and admire. He's a a real, real amazing actor. So I've been following his work. You know what? He should have, darn it. But, you know, what can you do? And, And honestly, Matthew McConaughey, I mean, the last one, he just killed it on Dallas Pirates Club. I mean, it was beautiful. So I mean, he did, he did. There was no chance of anybody else winning, but, um, you know, yeah, I think, I think I have a few actors, you know, that I, I admire and I watch, I, something I do as an actor a lot is I watch movies over and over and over again. Like I get my, uh, SAG DVDs, um, which Mm -hmm. was like the last one was Dallas Pirates Club and, uh, um, Catherine Phillips and uh, American Hustle. And I'll just rewatch them. And I'll, I'll watch each scene like five, six times and try to, like, gather what thought is and what's going on behind the eyes and what the subtext is. And I think uh, uh, good mentors are movies for actors. I mean, you can just re-watch a movie over and over and it can, it can give you epiphanies all over the place.
1: Well, what, what do you watch over and over again to inspire you? Or, or to make your mind think.
0: That's right.
1: You've, you're uh, have, you're uh, you, uh, you've got was, it. You've he got, he got was, to have.
3: A, wait, uh, my, my, was, my phone cut out on the question. That's why I was like, what, what, "What was the question?"
1: Go ahead, Carl.
3: Uh,
2: what? What, uh, what we were asking is. What movies do you do you watch? Do you use that inspire you? Uh, you know, you touched on Leonardo DiCaprio being somebody uh, that uh, that inspires you. Um, what TV shows or movies are those things that kind of touch you as an actor and, and show that this okay, this is this is something uh, for which to aspire?
3: Oh, uh, so many good movies. Um, I watched On the Waterfront. Uh, mm in New York City. And I remember watching that and uh, thinking that was the true acting. And uh, so that's, I would I'd say that's a movie that definitely inspired me. Uh, Marlon Brando is, is, I don't have to say anything, I just have to say his name, Marlon Brando. That's yeah. all you gotta know. Marlon um, Exactly. And uh, there's, there's a lot of movies that I, I definitely, I love. I love Gladiator. I think that's a great tale. Um, I think it's a good, it's a good example of uh subtlety of uh showing weakness whenever you have a strong character like that like he only has one scene where he gets choked up and that's when he finds his wife and it's so powerful because this whole time you're 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 resting on the fact that he's strong and he's going to get through it and um uh Breaking Bad what a show that Mm -hmm. that I mean even the writing I mean sometimes the writing just does all the work for you and I think Vince Gilligan is a perfect example of that and uh yeah, there's, uh, oh, I, oh, you know what? I've actually gotten into Orange Is the New Black recently, which is uh, we, me and my sweetie, we actually sat down and watched the first few episodes of oh, that's it. And yeah. So yeah, Game Game of Thrones, of course. You know, sure. Game of
1: Thrones. Oh my gosh! Did you see the last right? one? Right.
3: <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm oh, I'm blown God. away. That, that ending really upset me, actually. I was like, yay. And I was like, no. Nah! And I was like, no, nah! no. <laughs> yeah. as soon as stood he up off my couch. And I was, like, back, no. And no. He was like, no. And Yeah, what the heck, You're man? Dead. He was already stabbed through the chest. That's not cool. I you know. know man, come
1: it on, already, just double, it. double shot, bro. <laughs> double shot, man.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, These come on. He always double taps. That's right. <laughs> double jab, double jab. Yeah.
1: You know, I'm telling you, I call it the Mike Myers theory. You you hit him once, yeah. you hit him a second, you hit him a third time. You make sure that sucker doesn't move.
3: Yeah, Especially exactly. when you're,
1: you're called, like, the mountain. You're called the mountain. And yeah, the like, mountain the got on top of it. You, but
3: you the... know, yes. Exa- you know what made me mad is this arrogance in saying, you can't die yet. I'm like, yes, you can, right. dude.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah Definitely you
3: take it out. <laughs> Oh, I was
2: I was literally screaming at the TV. Just end it. Just end it. Just finish him.
1: <laughs> what are you doing? Stop monologue. Oh. oh, I know <laughs> it was reminds, exactly. reminds me of Princess Bride. He's doing. My name is Mentoya. You you killed, you killed my, my father. father
0: kill kill
1: him. Kill him enough,
3: enough. He it's heard you the first time, dude. Just get it over with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think he got the point.
3: Oh yeah, at yeah, least was, he did what he problem. asked, you know.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, that's but. funny. Hey, he did.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, poor guy. Rose.
2: Any... Wait... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, do you have any aspirations to do theater?
3: Oh, yeah, you know, I actually did plays as a kid. Um, I did uh, 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 children. Uh, Mizzou- little, 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 little uh, I'm Getting tongue twisted over here. I did. Uh, that sounds uh, Mizzou- like a good one. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, the Balalaika has a great play. I mean, the because plot is unreal. Oh, that's,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>, that's, <managed, laughs> yeah, that's isn't it?
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I did some plays, and I actually really enjoyed theater. I, I love it. Uh, but something about cinema uh, resonates with me more. I, I like I like um, I like movies more. And there's and there's something too. I'll tell you why I don't go into plays and I go into movies. It's actually because uh, and hear me out on this. Whenever I'm dead, when I'm gone, when I'm old and gray and dead the movies that I'm in will have a part of me in it. And uh, even if I'm playing like a bad character, a bad guy, which I prefer to play, I guess I've been told that people play their opposites, so that's maybe a reason why I like it. But um, my grandkids and my great-grandkids, they can watch that movie and they could see me talking and living and breathing with someone else in front of them. And even though I'm playing a bad character, there's still a part of me that's left in that character. Like every actor that we like, leaves a part of them in their character and um, so they'll get to know me even after I'm gone even after I'm dead so in a way it's, it's kind of like uh, leaving a digital copy of yourself behind for someone else to see and uh, that's that's something that really keeps me on the movie side is that um, it gives me uh, and I know it sounds kind of uh, crazy and even selfish or power hungry but it, it, it makes me live forever in a way and that's I find that inspiring, you know, because I can, I can go watch, you know, Breakfast at Tiffany's and get to know, you know, Audrey Hepburn and be like, wow, you know, I feel like I know her. And you do in a way because she's there. She's talking and she's speaking to you, you know.
1: Well, you look at those old, old movies they inspire you and they propel you towards the future and they're obviously in the past. And looking towards the future, I'm more than positive. You at least watch a couple superhero films. I, I, I don't know, but do you watch superhero films?
3: So I watch Superheroes all Spider-Man. the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, great. Thor, Captain America. Here's I love Avengers. Here's yeah. my
1: next question. I'm a representative from DC and Marvel. You can be any character you want. Anyone. Who would you be? Now, mm. I know you said Angel. I know you said yeah. Angel, but I want you to be, a main, I want you to be a, an, a main character in a film. I want you to be the main uh. guy. Who are you going to be? Take a clear character from the entire lineup. That I'm gonna put you in DC or Marvel.
3: Well, um, me, I'm gonna to have to go with. Uh, this is a tough one. It's kind of hard, actually. Batman. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with the Hulk. I'm going to go with Miner. Yeah. Really. I find I find him interesting. Wow. I find that he went into a career path like uh, science is fascinating to me. I, I like astronomy, and I'm. I, I I spend most of my time reading uh Dr. Miko Kato's uh um books and I, I, I read online and I love science. So I'd like to be a you know, a physicist, that'd be cool, you know, as a character. And the fact that he becomes immortal and ginormous when he's angry is kinda cool too, you know. So that's, that's pretty awesome.
1: neat. Mark yeah. Mark Ruffalo, if you're listening in, uh call up, uh leave us a line, uh somebody wants your job. Uh, yeah, no, 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 Mark Ruffalo Dave's nails it. On, yes. I,
3: can't, I can never want to take that from him. He's so good. He's a perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, old they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna
1: they're gonna they need a young uh, they need a young Mark Ruffalo. What do you say? So they're, they're gonna flash back to you know the twenty one Mark Ruffalo. And it's gonna be you, and then you'll take over Mark Ruffalo's job when you're a little bit older. It's just the way it works. You'll be like the James Bond of of, of Hulks. Hulk. <laughs> 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 All right. Yes. Uh, uh, you, you, you hear the new Star Wars films are coming out right now. You have, you have three new Star Wars films coming out, and you have two separate uh, standalone films. One by Josh Trank, who's about to make Fantas- the new Fantastic Four, and the other one is from the director who made Godzilla. Now, let's do wow. a little speculation here. I'm, I'm, I'm more than positive you're a Star Wars fan. So, uh,
0: Yes, I am. What,
1: what, do you think the stand- what do you think the standalone films are going to be? A lot of people believe they're going to be Boba Fett and Yoda. But if you were going to see a standalone film made by Josh Trank, who made Chronicle, who's going to make the new Fantasica 4 for Marvel, and also the director of Godzilla, uh, which standalone films would you, would you like to see from the, Marvel, from the uh, Star Wars universe?
3: Ooh, I'd go Yoda. And I'd I actually say Andy Serkis should be Yoda because he does such a good job with those animated characters with the little face program. Um, I'd say Yoda for sure, definitely.
1: Nice. If there was a bad guy, who would you like to see a side story from? Um, you like to play a bad guy?
3: Yeah, definitely. I'd like to see a, a very young Darth Maul and where his fa- I, I'd like to see his family dynamic before he came. Who he is, you know, before he, he jumps into the Sith. I want to I want to see a movie where you see him growing up and becoming that that man that he's power hungry, but in the back of his mind, there's a psychopath. And I want I want to see that kind of develop. That'd be, right. that'd be a pretty cool film. Seeing uh, you always
2: touch on, you know, you say you're always, you're always booked as the, as the bad guy.
0: Who is
2: the ultimate movie villain to you? And if you could create an ultimate movie villain, maybe do a, a redo of one in the past or a, a villain that, you've, that exists now in comic books or wherever, who would that be for you? Who is, who is your greatest movie villain and who would you like to portray?
3: Oh, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked me that. I was actually hoping you would. I'm so stoked. Okay, so well, you, you I, paid I, me bucks <laughs> to do it.
1: So
3: I, I, I know, I, like yeah, I get, gotta get my money out of it. No, that,
1: <laughs> that's the question he's waiting uh, for. If you can play an evil human being, who would you be? Thank God yeah, you asked exactly. me that question.
3: Yeah. Oh goodness. Now I've been waiting. You know. <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> I I think the Joker's the best the best criminal uh, because uh-huh. he doesn't have a motive aside from destruction. He's a uh, he doesn't have any objectives to accomplish, aside from mayhem. It's very simple. I find him the worst criminal and the most dangerous and interesting to me. And if I could, I would definitely play his younger self. Um, and I know that they have this TV show coming out called Gotham. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, oh my gosh, if there's ever a role for a 16-, 17-year-old Joker, I'm jumping on that. You know, I'm going to go audition. But, uh, but, yeah, I've actually worked on my Joker laugh. You want to hear it? It's awful. Absolutely. Bring Absolutely. it Are you ready? <laughs> you like that? That's pretty terrible. <laughs> that is that uh, is creepy. I've got, I've got goosebumps. <laughs> my father was a drinker. so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's it's something that I'd really like to do, a <laughs> Young Joker. that would be awesome.
1: You know how oh I got these scars?
3: <laughs> yeah, that, that movie is terrible.
1: <laughs> you, know, you know, you know. Oh, he did. You did, know, what's really interesting. Good.
3: Oh, no, that's well,
1: interesting. I'm, I'm listening. Oh, you, you know what's really interesting is when you when you first saw a Heath Ledger as a joker, a, a lot of people, including myself, were a oh, little... I thought it was little, stupid at
3: first. Yeah. Yeah, a little, a little...
1: I didn't want to say that. But, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was ridiculous decision-making. I thought it was going to be stupid. Yeah. And then when I saw it, I was, like, I was blown away. Um, I know. I was thinking about, I know the, was, Right?
3: Yeah, and they released posters of him like... Um, before the movie came out, of him just kind of grinning and looking at the camera, and I'm like, ah, I can't. I mean, I can't really see it after the some of the cheesy movies he's been doing. And right. uh, then, then when you actually watch the film, you're like, this is not Heath Ledger. This is this is not him. He right. no, and it is. He's, he's the perfect Joker. And I, I, I kind of wish they did some. I guess that's not saying it's bad, but I wish they uh, maybe did some different PR on him, like you know. This is uh this is the Joker. Maybe you took a picture of him while he was in the interrogation room, you know, with Batman. That, that that was amazing. He he was so good. Yeah, oh, iconic like role.
1: Yeah, it was a very a confusing situation for a lot of people as well. A lot of people did not know what to do. Production, uh, it almost seemed like they wanted to avoid the subject matter, which I which I understood. But uh, I really yeah. wanted to see more background information on him. I wanted to see more. But it, exactly. you know, was it really interesting, right? We were missing yeah. that.
3: Because he, he even gave, was, like, multiple was, examples of how he got the scars. And you're thinking to yourself, I wish I knew which one was correct or if there was one that I could find out. Because right. there, I mean, they, you, you're just left with so many questions, which I think is one of the great things about that character is the mystery, you know? What led him to be who he is today? Right. And, yeah, that's... Well, we're talking about that
1: character now, Heath Ledger and the Joker, and it's obviously inspiring all of us. When you saw that movie, did that, did that inspire you as an actor? Obviously it did. And how did it motivate you in your workplace?
3: Well, it opened up my mind to a different, in, in the words of the Joker, a different class of criminal. And, um, I mean, beforehand, I, I, I grew up, you know, watching criminals and bad guys on, on movies and trying to figure out what makes them who they are and and why, because, I mean, anything you do in a film as a character, even if you're bad, in your mind, it's justified for some reason, you know? Like, no bad guy does it because he knows it's bad. He's already justified it as good. And uh, for the Joker to not have any justification was, to me, like, wha- You know, how do you, how do you get there? I mean, you have to literally break. You have to get to your breaking point, past that breaking point, and you're lost somewhere in the gray area, past crazy. And, um... Yeah, so, so it it inspired me to kind of, uh, I guess, raise the stakes on my uh, criminals in a way because once once you find out that there's a level past, you know, murderer. Right. You know, where where does it end? Where where's the uh, where does where does the potential end for a bad guy? How bad can a bad guy get? And the Joker kind of uh, opened up that arena for me, I guess.
0: Right. What's the
2: end game? I, want to touch, I want to touch for a second back on your writing Because again, just in talking to you You're a, a very well-spoken, brilliant person um, And I want to delve into when you're writing Especially because of the subject matter about which you write Where, and, and that's talking about films now where, is this, where do you pull this darkness from in your soul To be able to bring it to the page?
3: Well, uh, I, I don't want to go into things I've been through, um, but I can say that I've, I have I've experienced some things, and it's definitely easy, um, especially when you're going, and I, I, I know it's kind of weird to say method, because what is method, really? I've heard people say the method actors, but theoretically, mm-hmm. if you mix in, you know, Meister and Anita Hagen, you're a method actor, because you're using methods, you know, uh, and so uh, but is a good way to bring back memory and memory exercises sense memory and things um, I think that pulling on your past is it can be dangerous but it's very effective and um, you know even uh, with uh, even with Heath Ledger like whenever he played the Joker he was uh, he was very into that character and I i some things from people on that set they were like well you know he was it's pretty dark, and that you know that's um, one of the things from pulling on memories. But I think that if you pull from past experience, you can get some good writing out of it for sure. I find uh, I find inspiration in any hard time I've ever been through, and I pull it out.
2: Outstanding,
3: absolutely brilliant. What's what's
2: next on your horizon?
3: What's next? Um, so. Uh, Boyhood releases limited on the 11th of July and then nationwide on the 18th. And then I'm, I'm hoping that The Secret Place... I, I just finished filming a film, and it was uh, one of the best times ever. And uh, the director's name is uh, Jay Silverman. Really great man. He was a, a still photographer and a commercial director for a long time, and um, he decided to go into making a feature film. So I got to do a couple scenes... A uh, few scenes, actually. I was the antagonist, and
1: you, you play uh, Tommy uh, Miller, right?
3: I play Tommy Miller, yes. And uh, it was <laughs> it was an amazing experience. I can't even describe to you, but I got to do some scenes with Gil Bellows from Shawshank Redemption, and I uh, with Taylor Spreetler uh, from Melissa and Joey. And um, I'm I'm hoping to see that really take off. I think that everyone did an amazing job, an amazing performance, and it's a good writing. It's a good script. It's and what's fun is, um, uh, like you were saying with strong female ca- cast, there's not enough of that. Um, right. in this movie, the secret place, it is a very strong female cast and you'll, you'll see that. And, and Taylor Spreezer really brings it home. That's the lead, and, uh, I'm hoping that takes off good. Uh, it does a really good, um, really good job, you know, in festivals and things and hoping to see that come out in theaters. But, uh, no, right now, I uh, I just finished a voiceover job uh, for Sonovis Bank commercial, mm-hmm. and um, on to the next thing. I'm just I'm just working as a PA at the moment, and just trying to keep myself active and uh, proactive in a way.
1: Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to Boyhood. You know, ever since I saw the trailer, you know, I'm one of those sentimental human beings that when you, you play the music <laughs> and you have the right scene, it just sucks you right in. You know, oh, and, the, the song it's, is
3: perfect, starring, too. It's just, right. You know, it's so, yeah, you replay that song in your head.
1: It's very wistful. It's very playful. It reminds you of childhood. And that's what I love about this movie, because it reminds me of an adult Wonder Years to me, like a two-hour Wonder Years film. And, uh, you know, you start with excellent people, Patricia Arquette, Elar Coltrane, Ethan Hawke, uh, Nick Krause plays Charlie, and then yourself plays Stanley. You know, I can't wait mm-hmm. to see this film. Um, have you seen oh. the film yourself? Because I wish yes, 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 and, uh, it was, it was,
3: uh, like I said, it was euphoric, and and uh, it, it is a long film. That's the only thing I can find as a bad critical review on it is that it's a long film. But come on, it's it's a it's an entire maturity process put under the microscope of film, and Richard Linklater right. does it seemingly with ease. Like he's the he's the perfect director for this kind of film. And, um, I mean, you saw his, uh, before trilogy, That you know, he's very patient when he makes those movies and talk about patience with a 12 year project. That's crazy. Um, and there's so much risk. Well, one you one don't answer, actually like, know so how the kid's you know. going to be when he's older, but yeah. Oh no, I was rambling anyway. You can ask me. Go ahead. No,
1: I, I feel bad for me. First off, it's bad radio. Um, so, working with Richard Linklater, he must, he must have given you some, some type of advice or, or, or spoke to you about something. But what sticks it out to you as far as uh, your experience with him uh, as, as maybe a tool or something to focus on or something to think about? A film was called something completely different. Uh, the film was originally called the, 12, the Untitled 12-Year Project. Um, so, uh, um, hey, the there boy. was, there was, a, was a little drinking, while
3: where we thought the movie was calling. Oh, sorry.
1: No, no, go ahead.
3: Okay. There was a little while where the cast and crew thought the the movie was going to be called growing up and, uh, oh. you know, eventually it was actually changed to boyhood. And that was a surprise because I mean, for, I mean, and for years I had growing up, um, in production on my resume, growing up and everyone was like what's growing up and I was like that's a movie I'm hoping it's going to be big and it's not, and um, it changed to boyhood you know uh, a couple of years after that and yeah it was untitled project growing up and then it switched to boyhood but I think actually after growing up it went back to untitled projects for a little while I think that was just kind right. of still being tossed around what it should be called because it's such a big a big title to a really big movie and a big story like how do you how do you kind of rope everything that that movie is into one title. And I guess the final product was pointed and it is, it is, it's pointed.
1: So it it looks, it looks, it looks amazing. But what did, what did you learn from the cast, the crew and the director? Did you, did you, are there any lessons to teach us? Is there any lessons that we can walk away from this, from your, from your action in in this film? Yeah.
3: Um, one thing for me, um, was it was It was really important to take direction and I know that sounds really general and silly but uh i i have, I did a lot of work before that i, I want to say a lot of work but i done a few commercials and a couple movies and um what I learned on that set was how important the director's view is compared to yours and uh he does he lets the actor kind of go go with what he feels and make decisions and uh, but his direction made the shots perfect. I don't know how to describe it any other way. He, a director's view is very important to an actor, and you should always take that into account. I know that a, a lot of actors actually will will um, take direction on set, as being a PA, this is speaking from PA experience, of watching actors work. They'll listen to the director say, okay, but I want you to change it up a little bit this way. I want your objective to be a little more like this, this is this. And then they'll nod their head, they'll say okay, and then they'll go back to doing what they're doing. And you think to yourself, well, your job as an actor, part, part, part of your job as an actor is to be moldable. Be able, they don't want hardened clay. They want something that can stretch and expand. And I think that's what uh, Link's letter does a really great job at, is just kind of molding his actors as he's filming them. And uh, so, yeah, I'd say definitely take direction, no matter what.
1: Be In- malleable.
3: Nice. Yeah, for sure. Is there, any,
2: uh, is there any place that you want to explore in terms of your acting career next? Anything that you haven't done that you think, you know, maybe I wasn't ready yet, but uh, this is some place that I want to go to test myself?
3: Oh, yes. I, I, and I really want to do an action film. And I know that um, all my films, I mean, the most, uh, I guess, physicality I've applied to a scene before has been the rape scene in The Secret Place, which I can't really discuss, and it's really secret. (laughs) But um, uh, I do want to apply my physical ability to a movie. I want to be able to maybe do a martial arts uh, movie. That would be awesome, or something that requires me to be really physically active uh, because I I feel like that would actually bring a lot of raw um, emotion and thought out of me, and it's hard to be high energy in a scene when you've been standing still for three hours. And I know there's techniques um, that I learned, you know, like doing push-ups before you go on a set and things like that. But to be moving around, maybe fighting your enemy, and I really want to do an action movie. That would be my next, like, goal, I guess. Awesome. I what kind of action? Film? I love
1: <laughs> What kind of action film would you like to do next? If, if, if I give you a budget right now, what action film would you do?
3: ooh um you know what I would actually if I had to nail it down to one if you all right so say if you gave me a budget of five million bucks okay. um, I think what I'd go about doing is um, maybe writing a story i because I, I I typically revolve by writing around uh, drugs and things, and I mean not that I was ever a druggie but I was around many, and I know a few, and I, I've seen that path and where it goes. And so I probably write it about uh, uh, conflicting gangs. And um, that's how I go about it. Probably Heavy Guns, and um, try to uh, get a good story wrapped around maybe um, Territorial Dispute, which I know that's kind of old school and everyone's seen it. But if I mean if it was my first action movie, that's how I go about it. Nice.
1: That's nice. great, Sean, Sean. We're 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 following up here, and and we're 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 closing up our, our conversation here with uh, with our good friend uh, mm-hmm. Shane Graham from Boyhood, and uh, we we're going to ask him his last questions here. And, and we're, it's such a joy to have you here. Thank you very much for being on the show, uh, Charles. Let's, yeah. let's wrap this up.
2: Thank you. Yeah, excellent, Shane. Uh, you know, I just want to tell you, I have been absolutely enthralled by what you were saying i think that you're you're funny you're well-spoken and uh and you really have a love for the 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 craft of acting if you were to you know reach through the radio right now and reach out to all the young actors listening to you what is it that you can impart to them when you know maybe they're they're depressed they don't know if they're if they're in the right place what can you tell them to inspire
1: them to keep them moving forward
3: I guess and uh, I guess the first thing I would say is if you're easily deterred or easily upset by being rejected, this might not be the thing you should jump into. But if you are if you done-ho about it, if you're passionate about it, if there's a, a serious passion in you about acting or telling stories on film, um, I'd say just don't quit because, in essence, even if you're bad, I mean, if you put the time in and you continue to work at it, even if it's uh, two, three, ten, I mean, for me, this is my 16th year. I go on 17th, and now I'm starting to have good, um, good things happen, but it's really a matter of just persistence in the end. Just do the work. Just do the work. Your, yeah. Well said.
1: Shane, we're, we're very happy for you. Uh, you know, the movie *Boyhood* is, is coming out in a couple weeks, directed by Richard Linklater, uh, starring Patricia Arquette, Claire Coltrane, Ethan Hawke, Lily uh, Linklater, uh, Nick Kraus, and our good friend here, very humble and very kind. Uh, we're very much looking forward to this film. This film looks fantastic, great mood, great, energy, um, very hopeful. Uh, I'm Positive note here. Uh, what is boyhood? I mean, without obviously, what is boyhood trying to tell us? Because it looks like a positive story, even though it goes to a lot of different angles. Um, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this film. I can't say that enough. I really wish I would have gotten a copy. But um, tell, tell me, what, what is? What are you hinting as far as uh, you know a positive realm?
3: It's it's so hard to answer that question. I can't tell you. Once I once I saw the film, it. I, there's so much to the film that you, you end up just perplexed by all the thoughts that it provokes in you. It's not, it's not a normal film where you get this emotion and you get this thought and it conveys this message. It's, it's so much, it's so rounded and so much just about life in general. But, um, I would say that there's, um, a great thing about, um, patience and love of family. And, um, uh, how important family is in your life and that's that's a big thing
1: but um we began the conversation to to that. That. talking <laughs> about your
3: grandfather your mother and your father
1: yeah right we we began the conversation talking about your grandfather your mother and your father and it all comes back to boyhood and how it's almost the yeah. same concept
3: yes absolutely and the same it, it's thing. life boyhood is yeah. life exactly
1: and the foundation mm-hmm. is very
3: important
1: in life and, and enjoyment and happiness and enjoying what you do in the craft that you do it
3: yeah, definitely. I, I, Shane Grant. I,
1: what I would say. <laughs> well, thank, well, thank you very much, Shane. We kept you on for a very long time. Thank you so much for being on the show, uh, Charles and I. Yes, greatly appreciate it. We're, we're so looking forward to your next projects. You know, one one being Boyhood, obviously coming out very very soon, and the Secret Place that's in post production right now. He's playing Tommy Miller in that film. But Boyhood is the next film. Please go to the website today, and check out Boyhood. If you don't want to check it out check out cinemafilesradio.com um, and you'll, you'll see uh, the trailer for Boyhood as well. Shane Graham, thank you thank so you. much for joining us on the show.
3: Thank we're you for having me. I had a blast. It was a lot thank of fun. You. Good luck in your, thank, you so much. thank you so much.
1: Good luck in your career, and, and, and we're looking forward to seeing you grow and being in new films and being the next angel in uh, X-Men Apocalypse.
3: <laughs> I hope so. That would
2: be great.
1: And, yeah. and work on and work
2: on being nicer, too. If you could if you could be
3: nicer to people. That's something <laughs> yeah. you, know, uh, you know. I will. I mean, I have so I'm much like... on my sleeve, you know, uh, chip on my shoulder. Uh, I, I, I wanted to
1: end on a positive note here, Charles. I didn't want to say anything, but I was, I was thinking, could this guy be a little nicer, please? Thank <laughs> <laughs> you Come on!
2: Bring the humble light. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> Let's go get him some strawberry water now. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: so I, I, I got.
1: Have yourself a great day. All right, you audience. Do. Thank you so much. We're going to be talking to to Charles Carpenter and wrapping the show up in just a second. Give us one second to wrap this up and uh, just listen to some kind music as we uh, put Charles in the hot seat. Here we go. And here we are with Charles Carpenter, our, our co-host of, of, uh, of our radio show here in Cinema Files Radio. Now, Charles, please tell me, you, you have a new yeah. book coming out, but let's talk about your first book that came out.
2: Uh, yeah, well, the, uh, the books are called, uh, they're the Necromancer's Pride Saga. And the first book was called Necromancer's Pride, Quest for Elderstone. And the book that's coming out on June 12th is called Necromancer's Pride, Tides of War. And it is a project that I've been working on for the past uh, few years with my writing partner, D.W. Jones. Um, and I am absolutely, I'm absolutely thrilled because it, it gives me the opportunity to create a world. It's an it's a epic fantasy uh, adventure, and I am just, I'm really, really proud and excited of, of the work that we've done, you know, to be able to create a work of literature and get it out there, and to have it be as well-received as it thus far has been, just it means the world to
0: me.
1: Now he's a long-running writing partner. You guys have written uh, little skits together, uh, scripts, pilots, these kind of things. Uh, how is it like working with somebody else?
2: Well, um, it's great so long as he knows that I'm always right. And once we get that figured out, then is wonderful. <laughs>
1: oh, so you know so, how your wife feels now. Good. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to be in a collab, uh, collaboration, but there is a, there is a lot of humility that goes into it because, you know, you see things a certain way and you have to, you have to set aside excess ego as a wise man once told me. And when you do that, you realize that, you know, the way you see things, though they, that may be how you see it, may not be the best way to tell it. And, it you know, it, it really allows you to get into the, the give and take of, of a situation, to collaborate with somebody and to know that, okay, what he's doing is, is working to make this better. What I'm doing is working to make this better. And when that happens, there's an amazing dynamic that takes place. And oftentimes, as I'm sure you're aware as a writer uh, of, of great esteem yourself, when you make the fix, the fix is usually better than what you wrote originally.
1: Right. Now, now you, have, you have two books. You have The first book mm-hmm. that came out. Uh, what are these stories about? Where are they taking us? And how many of them are you planning on making?
2: These uh, these stories take place in a world called Tarun, and they are the story of a young slave girl who has uh, who was rescued from her tormentors by a young cadet of a warrior class called the Oslin. Uh, their destinies intertwine as. Uh, the young Auslan Corwin is his name, finds himself unwittingly appointed to protect Deladriana, a slave girl, whose mystical powers can save the future of humankind. And it takes us on a journey of discovery both in how her powers are developing, but also what this world is like and how they're trying to find their way through it and how duty calls us to do things that we're not always comfortable with. But when we when we're forced to action, how do we respond? You know, and and for us as writers, characters are the most important thing. We wanted to create a world that was populated by real, three dimensional human characters, even if the characters themselves may not be human. You know, uh, and that's what that's what we sought to uh, to do when we when we undertook this project, and to, to build something to where no matter what's going on, you have a logical progression of of what's happening. The characters, be they good, be they bad, they're motivated by uh, emotions and scenarios and situations that make sense to you. You may not always agree with it, but you can see logically where they're coming from, and that makes the antagonists more evil. It makes the heroes more powerful, and the female characters I'm really proud of because we took the time to give them as much strength and screen time, for lack of a better word, as the, as the male characters. So this is the second book, uh, Tides of War, in this series, and it's going to be out on June 12th. And then we are going to, um, there'll be a couple more books in this series based on how we want to, how we want to wrap it up. Possibly one more, possibly uh, two more, where we're outlining and writing as busy little beavers right now as we speak.
1: Well, if we were re- writing this book 500 years ago, we wouldn't be influenced by media at all. We would just write the book and expect it to be published. Uh, now that you know that a lot of content from books and from comic books and manga and what have you is being made in the film, it, does that influence you when you write your novel, that one day this might hit the silver screen, how, how can I make this work properly, you know, do you do that?
2: Well, you know- I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to lie and say that it you don't you know you don't kind of glance over it but I'll tell you right now uh DW is definitely the big picture guy and he has a brilliant uh mind for business his uh his acumen when it comes to making uh business decisions is, is very sound and very astute and for me to be honest with you I purposely make it a point of not thinking about that would I like it to happen? Absolutely. You know, would you, you, you always want to see your creation evolve and flourish onto the next step and its next dimension, to be sure. But I purposely try to arrest that thought process for myself because I just want to tell you a good story. I want you to pick up this book or your device of choice on which you read and sit down and be immersed into this world that allows you to leave this one behind and to care for these characters, and love them, hate them, but they're there for you. And so long as I try to approach it with that degree of sincerity, I think that everything else ancillary to that will, will come of its own accord.
1: Right. You know, being a writer and, and growing up as a writer, a lot of writers have a tendency to be extremely negative. And one of the reasons why is that your their, their mindset is still in the old days of writing novels and having them being published. Whereas I, I saw you publish through Amazon and, and, and you went through Kindle immediately. Now, basing that on the negativity that we both have heard from writers before who've written novels, They've written, they have written novels and they're still negative about the process of writing and publishing all these things. What is, what is your experience and what can you tell them to say it gets easier?
2: Well, I think that I think that ultimately the point of it is that it it isn't easy, and and it shouldn't be, but nothing worth having is. And again, I hearken back to our martial arts training we get so much out of it, but it isn't something that's simple to do. If that were the case, then everyone would be walking around with a black belt holding up their jeans. Uh, so, it, But it's really fulfilling when you allow yourself to create and to see all these images in your head come to fruition. Uh, that's, that's such a wonderful thing. I think that that negativity... Uh, comes from that, that ugly monster jealousy that rears its, its head. And that's sort of, the sort of thing that leads you, you know down a darker path um, because you're looking at other people and you're looking at their successes and you're always, the grass is always greener sort of mentality. Whereas for me, I feel very blessed that I've been able to do this. And, and again, it goes back to sincerity. If I can if I can do something that I sincerely believe in my heart is is of value and is a good product, then I think that that will take care of itself. If you're doing it solely to get paid, you know, to 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 get the money or to get whatever accolades uh, it is that you want to acquire from it, you're probably going to fall short of the mark, and that's going to then make you depressed and bitter.
1: I, I've seen you in two fields in your life: one being acting, and one being writing. Uh, and a lot of those can be negative because of the the rejection. Of course, I I personally love that aspect of it because the more they reject me, the more I want to do it. But, you know, what can you say to somebody, because I'm not a huge fan of negativity when it comes to creation. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, you know, with the radio show today. I I just want to have fun. I want to enjoy myself. I want to talk to people. I want to get to know them. I I don't want a lot of stress in my existence. Uh, What what advice can you give to writers that can allow them to, to write things properly, have a right set of mind, and to get things out there without, you know, putting themselves within a box? Because I've read lots of novels from people that haven't published them, and they're always mm-hmm. afraid. There's this little fear factor there. So what, what, what can you tell them that to put them in that positive? See, for me, it was, it was the Stephen King movie where it was about the room, uh, room 451 or room 287, or I don't know what the name of the film is. Yeah. Sure I the book. But, you know, they, you know what would help me to, you know, would stop me from drinking alcohol was, the, you know, the, the actor goes, do you, uh, do you drink? He goes, I'm a writer. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Oh, so you expect that I'm a writer, that I'm an alcoholic? Okay, then I quit. Because if that's your expectation of me, then I, I don't want to do this. And, and that's one of the negative connotations that comes with writers is that they're drinkers or depressed or this or this or that. And I don't believe that's true. I believe that's something that a lot of writers adopt as being like a status quo, of being an artist. And, you know, in order to be an artist, you must be depressed. You must be like this. You must be like that. I don't believe that is true. The Do you believe tortured that's true artist, or not? Yeah. The tortured yes. artist. Yes. I and we've heard uh, that since our child, the, the tortured artist, you must suffer. I don't believe that. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, what, is, what is your take on that?
2: I don't, I don't believe it. You know, it's funny. Uh, you don't need to be a tortured soul to be an artist. I think that you need to have experienced some pain in your life, just like you need to have experienced joy and sadness and, and uh, jubilation, you know, because that's, that's the human condition. That's what we go through. But to say that you have to be a tortured soul to be able to write the next great novel is, is ludicrous. Because I'm I'm not hardwired that way. I think that a lot of times people look at all the work that goes into writing a novel, and there is, just like goes into writing a screenplay, just like goes into uh, writing uh, anything. And they that's the daunting task. Do they have the fortitude to stick with it and to see it through? And when you start to see all these things mounting up, oh, i got to outline it, or maybe I'm just going to freeform it. Oh, i got to get a, a developmental editor. What is a developmental editor? Oh, there's a copy editor, too? What's that? Oh, my gosh, there's, there's uh, maps that I have to be drawn. There's this and that. And all that begins to snowball, and you begin to just think, can't. And can't follows you around, and can't steals your desire. But don't be afraid of success. Don't be afraid of putting yourself out there. Failing just is the building block to getting where you want to be. But until you take that first step, until you say, okay, I have the wherewithal to do this, nothing's going to happen. And once you say that, it's a very empowering, uplifting feeling. Because look, Steve, you and I both know, having talked to many people in many walks of life, it's easy to find yourself hating others and, oh, poor me, poor me, poor me, I'm, I'm the victim. And, Artists, artists are very much like that. You know, we seek validation from others. We want to explain why things aren't working the way they should be working, where instead you said it yourself, have fun. Have fun doing it. Have, I'm having a wonderful time on this radio show with you. I'm having a wonderful time as I sit down to write. Is it always easy? No, it's not always easy, but it's always rewarding. And that's, that's the journey. That's what, Have fun. When it becomes a chore, when it becomes laborious, when your art, if you're, if you're an artist, when your art becomes no longer a love, but it becomes a, 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 a chore to be taken on, then maybe that's the time to step away from it and gain some new perspective. But to walk through life just saying, oh, I'm, uh, this, is, this is a horrible thing, poor me, poor me, is just, uh, is just un- unacceptable.
1: Well, what is next for Charles Carpenter other than taking over the world?
2: Uh, well, the first thing I'm going to do is probably take over Serbia because I think I can walk through those guys. And then I'll, I'll build my fort there and, and start, to start my world domination. <laughs> no, you know, uh, what, what's, uh, what's next for me is um, to continue working on uh, the series, The Necromancer's Pride Saga. Uh, which I absolutely love. Uh, uh, DW and I have written and have shot a uh, uh, a short with uh, a wonderful actor by the name of Corbin Blue um, called Inca Stone, and we're editing that now, and I think that's incredible It's it's an incredible work. I think people are really going to be blown away by that. Um, I'm very... I'm very blessed in what I'm able to do as an actor to, you know, to work. I'm going to be shooting some commercials coming up shortly and, you know, auditioning, keeping my nose to the grindstone and getting into other room. So that is the long and short of it. I'm just keeping myself very active, very busy.
1: Awesome. Awesome. You know, we were so blessed today to have Shane Graham from Boyhood, Richard Linklater's film. If I, you know, if, you, if you've missed a show or you're coming in late, uh, we have Shane Graham on the show. He is an amazing human being. Uh, check out his IMDb. And l- let me give you a, a little rundown. Shane Graham was born in Bryan, Texas on December 21st. He got a black belt in cooks you on, got, got a golden medal. This guy has worked on many films. Editor, composer, writer, producer, actor. Very, very humble. The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. You know, McCartney's Jeans. Stanley, the secret place. He's playing Tommy Miller. We're so blessed of him. Show uh, the the film is called Boyhood. Boyhood was a twelve year project. I, I am very very much looking forward to it. It's directed by the great Richard Linklater, who directed lots and lots of films that we all all love, including Days and Confused and The Bad News Bears, Fast Food Nation, A Scanner Darkly, which was amazing. Me and and Orson Welles. And if you have not seen that, that is a really fantastic film. Bernie, which is great, is a great film with Jack Black before Midnight and then Boyhood. Uh, Richard Linklater is a fantastic director. The the film is um, starring Patricia Arquette, Ilar Coltrane, please do not kill me for mispronouncing his name, Uh, Ethan Huck, Nick Krause, Richard Linklater's daughter as well. And then we have Shane Graham playing Stanley. Uh, Shane Graham is so, so humble. Uh, how did you feel about him, Charles? And we, we said a lot to him, but the, he's a great guest.
2: I thought, he, was, I thought he, was, he had a wisdom that a lot of people his age don't have. He was very kind, he was very articulate, and I think that we had the opportunity to talk to, talk to a very bright up-and-coming star.
1: Remember, boys and girls, it's a smart man or a smart woman who learns from their mistakes, and the wise person, wise woman, wise man who learns from other people's mistakes. From what I can see from Shane, he's learned from other people's mistakes, which is awesome. including in his own? Listen, everybody, we're so happy that you joined us today on our show. Charles, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so glad you're you're able to make it.
2: Steve, thank you so Last much week, for yeah. uh, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this.
1: Well oh, I'm glad I'm glad you're here. Cinema Files Radio is, is, is meant to be a very casual and relaxed show based on getting to know people. Getting you to know them before they're stars, you know them while they're stars, just getting to know people. Reminds me of old radio, that's what I like. Old stern, old nineteen fifties radio old radio. I want you all to remember that you're all special. You're all special. Have a fantastic weekend. When you get a chance, go see Edge of Tomorrow. When you get a second chance, go see Boya. And if you only have one chance, go towards Boya. My name is Steve Pisa. My co-host is Charles Carpenter. You can find us on Facebook on CinemaFiles.com. Radio on Facebook or just type in Steve PSL or Charles Carpenter and you'll find us. Thank you everybody for joining us today. God bless you and we'll see you next week. Good day, Charles. Good day,
2: Steve. Bye-bye, all
1: Next week, we're going to have a special guest from Brett Ratner's Hercules. Stay tuned to our radio station, our Facebook, our Twitter to find more details about our next show. I think you're going to love that one as well. Watch Joseph talk before he becomes a gigantic star. Awesome. Thank you to Lisa Pisa for producing the show. Lisa Pisa, thank you very much. Your help is obviously noted. you the best.